personality traits that we practice online, this impulsivity, this immaturity, this this anger that we're capable of of online, doesn't really stay online. It becomes incorporated into our offline life. And the end result of this process is that we end up in real life looking more and more like our online avatar. Welcome to Digital Mindfulness. I'm your host, Lawrence Sampofo. Today we have on the show Professor Elias Abujalde. Elias is a clinical professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Stanford University, and his work focuses on problematic internet use, impulse control, amongst other topics. Elias is also the author of Virtually You, The Dangerous Powers of E-Personality, in which he writes about the similarities between our behaviour online and offline. This is a really fascinating episode, and you should listen to find out more about the ways our personalities in the real world are becoming increasingly like our online personalities, and also how we can become less impulsive and more thoughtful as we use online services. But first of all, welcome to Digital Mindfulness. We bring together the best teachers and thought leaders to teach you how to be your best self in an age of digital distraction and information overload. If you're new to the show, then the best place to find out more about us is to visit digitalmindfulness.net forward slash start. This has a collection of some required listening podcasts where we discuss everything from becoming more focused in a distracted world to habit building, overcoming digital distraction, cyberbullying, internet addiction, and much, much more. Okay, enjoy the show with Professor Elias Abujalde. Um, so Elias, welcome to Digital Mindfulness and thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I wonder, Elias, if you can just give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself and to your work and particularly in the years since you've written Virtually You and spoken about the interrelationship between our personalities on, offline and our personalities online. Um, if you can just give us a sense of how you got to be thinking about this and how your thinking has progressed since 2012. Yes, um, so I'm a practicing psychiatrist at Stanford University, which as uh, you probably know is in the heart of Silicon Valley. And I led the Obsessive Compulsive Disorders Clinic at Stanford and I continue to do so. Uh, but about 10 years ago, we started being referred individuals who had a problem logging off, basically, individuals who got connected to the uh, internet in ways that were seen as unhealthy, in ways that interfered negatively with their work lives, with their family lives, with their relationships, with their school work, etc. And because I was involved in obsessive compulsive disorder work and research, it made sense that these individuals who seemed compulsive in the way they approached the internet, it made sense that they would be referred to my clinic and and to me personally, which is how I got interested in in the field and started really uh, working in in, in this area. Uh, We led uh, 11 years ago what was the first large-scale study to really try to put some statistics to this phenomenon and try to understand whether this was uh, sort of a Silicon Valley uh, 
issue or whether it was a much broader problem. And that study uh, remains, I think, one of the largest to be done. But one of the criteria we used in that study was the amount of time people spent online, because that seemed like a logical indicator of some form of possible uh, pathology. Uh, however, as you know, um, we are constantly online now, and uh, we are always connected through our various devices to the internet. So the idea of how much time you spend online is really not um, a reliable um, uh, a signifier of, of, of anything anymore. So one way my thinking has evolved over the years is really to stop looking at um, this, uh, this, this problem of internet addiction between quotes and really focus more on more subtle aspects that um, uh, really implicate and involve each and every one of us. And I'm talking namely of personality changes, you know, how differently people can behave and act online versus in real life, whatever real life means anymore. So I think we can all relate to more impulsive behavior online, to um, anger outbursts that we're capable of online, to more uh, regressed or childlike or immature behavior online. So all these personality aspects that really weren't captured in any definition of internet addiction as I or other folks approached it uh, earlier. These personality aspects are what I became interested in when I wrote my book and several uh, publications on and what I continue to be fascinated by and, 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 and uh, looking to explore in my work with patients, but also in research. So in 2012, you wrote the book um, Virtually You, which was a collection of books coming out at that time, along with Sherry Turkle's book and Nick Carr's book about our behavior online. But I'm wondering if you can just tell us in a bit more detail what is Virtually You about and why is it so important? Well, Virtually You is the title and the subtitle is The Dangerous Powers of the E-Personality. And this is really what the book is focused on. So we all take on a different persona online. I don't think that's a surprise anymore after all these years of sort of uh, observing ourselves and, and reading about this this issue. But I think what may still be a little bit of a surprise to, to some people is that these uh, personality traits that we practice online, this impulsivity, this immaturity, this, this anger that we're capable of, of online, doesn't really stay online. It becomes incorporated into our offline life. And the end result of this process is that we end up in real life looking more and more like our online avatar. So we become as individuals, as a culture, as, as a society, more impulsive, angrier, more impatient, etc. So again, the, the, the separation between online and offline stops functioning the way maybe we like it to function or we assume it functions. This is fascinating because um, we've had on the show um, other 
um, other psychologists and psychotherapists. And one of the things that they've spoken about is that when you're online, it provides you a a safe space or a perceived safe space to um, let the shadow self emerge, you know, Jung, the Jungian shadow self. And I'm wondering if you think that that's, is this what's actually happening here when you talk about the increased cases of impulsivity and, um, you know, the quickness to anger, etc.? Yes. Uh, one of the things I talk about in my book is um, uh, sort of a, a new life that was breathed into psychoanalysis as a result of the internet. Um, as, uh, as you probably know, in traditional psychoanalysis, people would ask, or psychoanalysts would ask the patients about their dreams, because that was supposed to be one way to access their unconscious desires and feelings and unacceptable thoughts that that they may harbor. And exploring this unconscious, exploring and analyzing these dreams was, according to psychoanalysis, uh, a way to um, uh, really, really explore the psyche and resolve the anxieties and, and the problems that may be affecting the person. Well, with the internet, really, um, our online life becomes, if you will, this playground for the unconscious, where all these unacceptable, uh, socially inappropriate, uh, potentially risky uh, behaviors and interests, this is where they're explored, they're explored and, and, and practiced now. So it becomes this new window, if you will, into the soul, the way um, uh, dreams were 75 years ago at the, at the height of, uh, of the psychoanalytic movement. However, it doesn't stay there. Again, we like to think, we like to um, assume that we're perfectly capable of compartmentalizing, that, um, uh, you know, we're very safe exploring over 8, 10, 12 hours daily uh, that we spend online. We're perfectly safe exploring these potentially risky um, uh, behaviors online, and this will not seep into our offline life. We still think that, you know, when we log off, all that kind of stays um, within the, the, the virtual realm. And this is not proving to be accurate. Again, we are not as good at compartmentalizing. And these traits become incorporated into our offline life, and we start behaving in ways that are really problematic and go against rules of culture, uh, religion, civilization, you name it. This is absolutely fascinating. And were these findings um, that you're speaking about now, did these come up in the large scale study that you were talking about just um, a few moments ago? So the large scale study was focused on criteria that we that that we thought would um, I'm going to answer this question again. And if you can add, uh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> 
The large study was focused on criteria that we thought constituted or mirrored problematic internet use, this new phenomenon that we were trying to understand. And the criteria were more focused on amount of time spent online, a difficulty in relationships, difficulty in professional performance, academic performance, difficulty logging off, or anxiety when uh, one, one logs off. Uh, a, a, a need to hide and be secretive about a, uh, the person's online pursuits. These were really the criteria. They weren't as granular as uh, I would have liked them to be, but this is very much the direction that my work has taken since then. Again, moving away from this relatively small proportion of people who can be classified as quote-unquote internet addicts or quote-unquote problematic internet users according to these, to these definitions and more uh, to focus on these personality traits that again affect each and every one of us to varying degrees. Earlier you spoke about your your interest and your professional interest in well, initially in studying this whole phenomenon of um, internet addiction, but now that you're more interested in these subtle acts, as you put them, um, and specifically personality changes, and I'm wondering if you could just expand on that a little bit. Like, in what way does this not only hyperconnectivity, but this extended time that we spend um, shifting between these um, different personalities, if you like, you know, the personality that we construct offline and the personality and the different personalities that are able to construct online what are some of the personality changes that that you've seen manifest that you can share with us so there, there are several areas where this manifests in a way that i think uh you know a, a general audience that's not necessarily a clinical audience uh can uh, can can relate to so i think there's a certain impatience and a certain immediacy that we expect online. Um, if, if, if you do a search within microseconds, you have, you have the results you're, you're after. If you send somebody a text message, the expectation is that whatever the person is doing, whether they're in a meeting, whether they're having dinner or driving, you know, the, the text, there's a very good chance that the response text message will arrive within a very short period of time. So there's a certain immediacy that we expect in this new uh, virtual world of, uh, of the various uh, uh, internet-related technologies that, 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 that we use. And I think as a culture, there's a certain impatience that, that we're, uh, we're um, uh, developing as a result. I mean, we, we just, we can't, the idea of you know, waiting for um, a letter, let's say, or waiting for uh, 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 a date or waiting for anything really becomes so much harder because, again, our expectation has, has shifted because there's no reason to wait for anything uh, online uh, for the most part. So I think the rise of, of impatience, the rise in inattention, or what we call in in, uh, in our circles, attention deficit um, uh, uh, and hyperactivity disorder. 
So if you look at um, our attention span online, I think we spend an average of about three seconds or something like that per web page we visit. Uh, if you average out, you know, all the, 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 the pages that, that, that we view. And it's really hard to go from this extremely fast-paced, constantly shifting online experience to sitting down and reading War and Peace. You know, it's, 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 it's just not um, uh, a smooth transition in, in, in any way. And I see that in my professional colleagues. I see it in my, some of my patients who are, you know, lawyers and professors. And, and they tell me, you know, they, they cannot approach dense, demanding texts the way um, text in the sense of, uh, you know, books and, and, and documents the way they could. And they suspect, and I agree with them, that one big reason is our new relationship to reading and to exploring information online. Um, I think narcissism is another area where this, where this shows up. I mean, if you're a narcissist, then the internet can, you know, can be a dream in terms of the uh, facility with which it can produce, you know, it can give you an audience, you know, on, on, on Twitter, they call them followers, which is, you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty um, uh, um, obvious kind of play on, on some narcissistic tendencies that, that, uh, uh, that, that, that people may have. And, um, if, if you have that kind of audience online and you get used to it and, and, and uh, it becomes the norm for you, then it's hard not to behave in this way, again, in offline society and not to constantly feel like you're on uh, a soapbox preaching to you know, the, 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 your, 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 your masses of followers, etc., etc., it's really interesting, you know, the whole um, the whole discussion about narcissism specifically, um, because it's true, right? It's it's um, it's. I mean, so there's an element of truth behind it, especially with the case that, um, um, you know, if you're taking every image that you upload, um, every piece of text that you publish, is there is there forever potentially, and it's searchable and it's indexed. Um, it's placed into databases. And I think whilst the negative elements of narcissism um, that you were speaking of, which are absolutely fascinating um, about how we almost, um, how we very comfortably present and manifest those online, there are also very real social and professional benefits of narcissism Right, you know, kind of taking it, you know, taking a picture and uploading a picture of ourself in the knowledge that lots of people will see that and potentially influential people will see that, like employers, for example, both now and in the future. Um, and that's and that's something, again, that we don't um, 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 kind of have to necessarily deal with in the um, when we're offline. But I, th but I think what's interesting is how you're saying the um, um, the different selves, these different personalities or identities that we construct are starting to meld. They're starting to bleed together, right? The the online 
suddenly comes offline, right? And then we start to manifest um, more narcissistic or impulsive traits um, when we're actually talking to real people face to face. Absolutely, and I don't, I don't want to minimize the advantages that uh, um, the advantages and the health promoting effects that the internet can uh, can also produce. But I think more of us, uh, or most of us, behave uh, worse than better online in, 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 in many ways, and that's why the net effect, if I, if I may say so, uh, tends to be, in my opinion, negative in terms of its effects on our personality structure and our personality makeup. To go back to the narcissism issue, because I think this is something that we're hearing more and more about that I uh, talked about in, uh, in my book in, in, some, in some detail. I think, you know, it's, it's hard to complain of this culture of uh, uh, um, extreme kind of personalizing that can happen as a result of these technologies. You know, if, if, if you have... Um, a certain taste in music or or TV. It's very very easy with these technologies that we now have to only watch the sh the shows that you want to watch that you know you like to only hear the music that you want to listen to uh, to customize your online newspapers so that only the views that you agree with show up on on the first page or only the writers. Uh, that 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 you like um, uh, are are made uh, visible uh, uh, to you. And again, it's it's a little um, uh, uh, I guess uh, um, strange to complain about this endless customizing because we all like it and we all do it to various degrees. But I think the flip side of this is really to lose um, uh, respect for opinions or content that um, goes against our tastes and our preferences. And that's, that's not that um, different from you know, narcissism, if, 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 if you will. So, and I think as a society, as we become more and more uh, polarized, and certainly in the U.S., we've seen that with the last election. Europe is seeing it in, in, in various manifestations across the, 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 the continent. I think a good part of this comes from this new set of expectations that we have and the consequences in terms of losing really tolerance for entire uh, sections of society that we happen to uh, disagree with and that we can so easily delete from our online life but cannot so easily delete um, in our uh, offline existence. Um, I'm really interested to know, Elias, what your opinion is of um, about personality mapping technologies or emotion mapping technologies in the years since you've written the book a number of technology um in fact the technology ecosystem now there are lots of there are like a growing number of 
um, um, companies and entrepreneurs and thinkers that have really that have really taken on board what you what your writings and your insights, and are devising um, technologies to counter that. And one of these is um, emotion mapping technologies. And I'm wondering what your opinion is for these kinds of emotion and um, personality mapping technologies to help us reflect to present us to ourselves to help um, I guess help us with our with our mental health and to help us live um, a better digitized life I think some of them hold a significant promise and I would uh, like to see how the field evolves in the next a uh, couple of years. I think there's some very interesting work happening in that arena. But there's also work that's um, a bit uh, uh, troubling for me personally in terms of this dissection of personality that's then used to um, uh, kind of target marketing even more um, uh specifically and more successfully, you know, uh, so bombarding you with specific marketing messages that match this personality structure that they have um, profiled for you or uh, helping you connect with a potential mate on a dating site that perfectly matches what they think is your personality. I think there's some advantages to that, but I think it also can lead in a potentially troubling direction. So what to the extent that it's increasing awareness of these personality shifts that happen online, I think it's a positive thing. But I also think like so many technologies, uh, we should use it uh, smartly and with caution and not in a way that further invades our privacy because I think we can't afford to use to lose whatever little that we have in this world absolutely not um, Elias unfortunately we've come to the end of our time together where can people find out more about you and your work so one uh a place to access would be my personal website www.myfirstnameelias E-L-I-A-S followed by my last name A-B-O-U-J-A-O-U-D-E dot com uh, and my books are available at any number of online or offline bookstores thank you very much for this opportunity I enjoyed it very much no problem thanks so much for spending time with us today I really appreciate it Thank you.